G'day and welcome back to another episode of Bush Yarns. I'm Scotty Connell from Kimberley Spirit and I'm stoked to be able to bring you some more yarns from Mount Bush up here in the Kimberley, northwestern Australia. Let's get into it. G'day, I'm sitting here with my very good mate, Mr. Sarrell. How you going, Sarrell? Good and you? Yeah, good. And also with Shannon Dog. Got Shannon here, just sitting on the on the beach here at Barn Hill Station, just south of Broome, sitting up against the Red Pindan Cliffs and just checking out the ocean. It's a beautiful day. Indeed. Been down here since sunrise. And um, it was very unexpected. We were in Broome yesterday and uh, had the last couple of days in Broome doing some stuff with Feed the Little Children and doing some stuff about Broome, Shannon and I, and Cyril um, was in the area, came up from Karatha and here with his family. Do you want to tell the guys a bit about yourself, Cyril? Yeah, I, um, I'm a paramedic by, by trade. We've been living in Australia for 11 years. Um, of that, we spent eight years up in Kananara, and that's where I met you, Scotty. And for the last two years, we've been living in Karatha, working living in Karatha. So we're in the Kimberley now, and you've been in the Kimberley for eight years, but now you're living in the Pilbara, which is what, where's Karatha, about 700 south of here? Yeah. Yep. And um, back up in the Kimberley for your holidays? Yep, absolutely. Enjoying that. Um, one of the very first bush yarns that I did was talking about a wet season um, flash flooding that we had at Revolver Falls. We went for a hike, Cyril and I, and um, got up into the very top pool at Revolver Falls and spent the um, night there. But we had a um, yeah, had quite a wild night in there with the full um, with a full flooding event happening, and it was quite amazing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was a big day. Big day. Big day's walk in to get in there, and then and then for that to unfold and. Do you want to tell us what you can remember about that? Oh, like briefly. Like you say, it was, a, it was a big day hiking in there. Mm. It was hot. It was really hot. Um, but you sort of, when we came around that last corner and you saw the sight of the waterfall, you sort of forgot about the whole thing. It was just that breathtaking. Mm. Um, we set up camp and then in the afternoon the wind picked up. I remember we sat still watching that waterfall turn horizontal with the massive wind coming in there. <laughs> yeah. And then um, we saw these little blue clouds coming up. <laughs> which um, It was wet season, so we, didn't, we knew if it was going to rain, it's probably going to come soon. Um, and then later at night, it started raining. And we sort of huddled up in a little tent, which was actually destined for the drone. All <laughs> snuck under <laughs> <laughs> um, and we just lay there talking and eventually fell asleep and woke up like one o'clock in the morning and it sounded like this was a helicopter landing next to us it was just this overwhelming sound um, and I got out of the tent and had a torch as, as much as I could see and then we just saw this waterfall was like three times the size it was this afternoon and we where we set up camp we were about eight meters from the creek but that water was like right next to the tent back then which is this little creek is just filling up with that massive waterfall coming down and um right in front of us that rapid there was no exit was there it was all no nah. there was insane amount of water i've never seen anything like that it was pretty unique and then we were in the tent and um and we had a bit of time to kill because we had to stay awake because we didn't know what was going to happen did we it nah. was going to come up any further and 
The first, the first thing I grabbed onto was just my shoes. Like, <laughs> we have to make a run for it. Still have shoes on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't want to trek through that stuff without your boots. How much fun. Um, there was a yarn in that that I was, um, that I, we're going to talk about here today, which was about Sarrell's whole adventure, which I didn't know at that point in time. I'd never heard it. Um, about the way Sarrell ended up in Australia and, and everything over in Africa, what, what went down over there. And that was quite a unique story to hear. It was an amazing story, um, amazing yarn. And that's what I wanted to talk to you about today, or if you wanted to share that that with the guys and a bit about what you told me that night. It went for a little while, but it was, it was every bit of it was just incre- was amazing. But yeah, if you want to tell them a bit about that. Like I said, I'm a paramedic by trade, so I've been working as a paramedic my whole life or in, the, in the emergency services. Um, life in South Africa is completely different to it is here. Um, crime is rampant and, and violent crimes is sort of the norm of the day. So 2005, my wife and I got engaged and you know, we had all these plans for our lives ahead, um, bought a block of land, had a house built. We got married early in 2006. What, where are is this again exactly? So it's a place called Vereniging and it's about two hours south of Johannesburg. Yeah, I'm not going to try yeah. and pronounce that. <laughs> 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 so in any case, we had our whole lives planned ahead of us, got the house, house coming up, got married. Um, at that stage, there was quite a few South African paramedics that were immigrating to Australia. Um, not just uh, Western Australia, but also Queensland. Um, I had a friend talk to me about it, and you know, life for us was almost perfect. You know, newly in love, house house on the horizon, getting married. So it was not something that interested us. Um, so yeah, we got married. We moved into the house the day before we got married. Mm. Everything was, you know, life was good. Life was perfect for us in that sense. And um, yeah, went on our, our honeymoon and came back and moved into the house. Just uh, during that time, um, it was a period of um, armed house robberies were sort of a common thing because it was such a, seen as a soft target. People get overwhelmed in their houses and, and get robbed and, and some people get, get killed and others get really badly injured during the whole ordeal. And in our town where I worked, it was sort of a common occurrence or I would say on a weekly basis we would attend some of these armed house robberies um, mm. like just a week before our incident I attended a, a house robbery as a paramedic where um, three families were having a barbecue and they got overwhelmed and um, just beaten up and I remember the one lady that struggling to got her, um, her earrings out of her ears and so they just used like a set of uh, side cutter pliers and cut the earlobes off at the bottom to get the earrings out you know so, yeah, so sort of things like that was almost a common occurrence and that's just a few families having a barbie and then yeah so a few families having a barbecue like you say everybody's having a good old time in the backyard mm-hmm. um, and, and that's become a soft target two or three people jump to gun or jump to fence and they've got a firearm or a knife and, and you know grab they normally grab a child or an older person and and make that the leverage to get everybody to do what they want to do yeah oh, yeah so so um i remember the night it was the the thursday before easter weekend 
And oh. that's, that's just in your neighborhood. That's just like a... Yeah, that was about three blocks away from where I live. Yeah. Um, like I say, we've attended numerous of those ones. People get shot or, you know... Yeah. Um, for really nothing, for a bit of money or for mobile phones or a bit of electronics and yeah. stuff like that. So, the, the start of Easter weekend, 2006, I worked the day shift. So, my shifts over there was um, from six to six. Got home at six o'clock, like I say, life was perfect for us. Happy family, just moved into the house, newlyweds. Um, got home, my wife was busy doing some cooking and we had small dogs because it was a new house we lived in. I got home, took my uniform off, went outside, fed the dogs. And as I walked back into the house, I felt something in my neck and I heard that um, the sound of when you cock a gun and you know, first of all you don't expect that and second of all my wife saw what was happening behind me and I could just see the fear in her face and next moment I was on the ground and it was like there was four guys so they must have been waiting in the yard for us into the house locked the door so there was the two of us my wife and I and four guys two had firearms and the other one had a screwdriver um, so the first thing they did was they tied us up in the living room I actually used my shoelaces from my work boots because they were quite long. Mm. Um, tied us up and the first thing they wanted was money and firearms, which neither of the two we had in the house. And then they started, you know, started ransacking the house, um, looking for keys. They took all the jewelry off our fingers. And, and, and while lying there on the floor tied up, the, f the first thing you think is of, whoa, this is actually happening, you know. And, mm. and then the second thing you think of... Um, all the scenes I've attended where this has happened, you know. Mm. Now you know what those people are going through, and number two, you know what has been happening to these people, and that was sort of the fear that I had, what's mm. going to happen, you know, what, you know, I was really that concerned of being injured, I more, was more a bit concerned of, you know, what if they try to do something with my wife, I'm lying there tied up, and, and there's two firearms involved. Mm. So they... So What's the house set up like? Is it like, has it got big walls around it? Is it just a normal looking house? Has it got so extra security? Everybody there had uh, six foot walls around the house and we yeah. had like um, barbed wire fencing to the front. Yeah, um, yeah right. And you, the, the dogs I had were too bull mastiff, but they were still puppies. So the plan was to grow them up and they would become our guard dogs. Yeah. Um, so they, and in hindsight now, we know that they've been lying in the yard somewhere waiting for us or, mm. you know, checking things out. Um, so they, they must have jumped a fence somewhere. Yeah. Just lying there waiting. Uh, or, you know, watch the house a few days and check out our routine coming in and out, what time I get home from work. Mm. So you're tied up? They were tied up, lying there. They're going through the house, ransacking things, and, you know, the whole time looking for money, looking for money. Then they started with us, took all our jewelry off, wedding rings, um, you know, and... Um, at one stage, they were struggling with my wife's earrings, and the first thing I thought was, oh my goodness, I'm going to cut it off. But luckily, they got it off and, and took all of that. And they, 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 like, they like just emptied everything, wedding ring, watches, any jewelry they could find. And um, Then they took my car keys, and they, they reversed the car up to like the front door and just started carrying things out of the house, like all electronics. Could you see them? Like, were they wearing masks or anything? Or did you um, see their we, faces? I could never see their face because, like, oh, I, I, I had the, the gun in my neck and we were made lying face down, so we were never allowed to look at them. Yeah. Um, at one stage, while they were carrying things, they put a blanket over us while we were lying there on the, um, on the floor. 
while they were starting getting things out of the house mm. there's always one of them by us standing guard you know yeah um, and then the emotional torture started like they, they kept asking for firearms firearms and I, i'm not sure if they mistaken my fire department uniform for a police uniform thinking there must be a gun somewhere in the house yeah um they were there, they we had a tile floors in our in our living room so they would which we later found out was a jug of water but they would like just pour this liquid out on the floor telling us that it's petrol and they're going to set everything on fire if we don't tell them where what is and you know you're trying to convince them and trying to remain calm yourself mm. that we don't have anything and then so while we were lying there you know we we just the, the almost chaotic panic sets in you know you, you yeah. feel your heart racing and you, you just don't know what to do and almost set in some sort of panic but um, while we were lying there under the blanket, we 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 started praying, and you know, you could still talk to each other. You didn't have anything over your mouth. Oh no, we didn't have anything over our mouths. We sort of whispered to each other. They didn't yeah. didn't want any talking, so um, we were just both like starting to pray. And you know, then we we felt this peace over us. And at one stage, I think we fell asleep because the guy, after a while sort of jerked my shoulder I had a, a motorbike as well and they wanted so they, the car was fully loaded and they were on their way out um, and they wanted to take the motorbike as well but the, the guy didn't know how to start it so that's the only time I had a look at him Yeah. Um, when they took me outside the house still tied up um, and I left another guy with my wife saying don't try anything so I had to go out and show him where to start the bike and <laughs> sort of give him a quick <laughs> crash course on how to drive it to get out of there <laughs> what a rat so um yeah got back into the house then they took all our bank cards with pin num- they wanted pin numbers and said you know if you, if you give us the wrong pin number then then we'll come back um, and then they took off with the car with loaded with everything in and the the bike and they locked us inside the house uh, and then they took off yeah right and that was it oh we You're laying there on the we're floor. lying there tied up we knew this is our moment to get out because all four of them has left so um, yeah we managed to get up and don't know how we did it but there was a scissor flying there and with our backs towards each other we cut each other loose yeah um, right but then we were locked in the house because I took all the keys and so we had to physically break one of the windows to jump through the window to get out of the house no way and then so we ran up and down the street like yelling for help and because of the situation in South Africa nobody came out everybody just locked the doors and, and were hiding away and, and um, some old lady picked us up and we used her phone to call for help yeah right and, um, what time of the day was that or? Oh, 6 o'clock at night um, so I got home at 6 it probably happened at 6.30 yeah. and so the whole ordeal I just described lasted about 4 hours yeah right uh, we got out of the house just I think the first and in the state of shock you're in when you came out I couldn't remember any numbers so only my work now work I, I my employer back then was the fire department so I could only remember that number and phone them and so the first so you were a paramedic for the fire department yeah so in those days in South Africa it was a joint service yeah um, paramedics worked for the fire department so it was a, it was a dual service yeah so you so called work called work and um, you know, the first vehicle for help that yep. arrived was this big fire engine with all my work colleagues and and then everybody else came yeah right and then what? <laughs> Where do you go from there? How's Anelia going at that so, stage? Yeah, she wasn't travelling well, of course, very, very shocked. Um, we entered the stage. And all, that night, uh, friends of ours offered us a place to stay. She refused to stay there. 
yeah um, anymore and we stayed with them for a couple of weeks we were sort of in this bubble area of, of or area where your bubble is bursting you know every yeah. all your plans you made for your life is just burst and that's your brand new house You've brand new house there. we've only been in it for like three weeks yeah we went to stay with friends for a while um i had some time off from work just to try and work through these things like so vanilla i wasn't um mentally traveling well yeah at that stage which we had some work done on it um and um yeah stayed with friends for a couple of weeks how are you um, going um i think to say i was i was lost was probably a good description yeah you're trying to work out what what went what happened you know why did this happen is probably the first question and then, then there's also, and then there's also this sigh of um relief like nothing bad happened to us like we were we came out of it with not a scratch on us yeah um so yeah lost 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 would be a good word to describe our feeling for a couple of months um yeah so then w- the time came where we had to move back into the house and um Unilia's mental health just deteriorated because moving back into the house i had to go back to work and start working night shift again which means she was going to be there all by herself and um but that's something that we had to work through you know, the, you know yeah. life moves on and then i started work and my very first night shift um there was a, a, a car accident involving two trucks and it was quite a messy scene where I had to work and um, we were struggling to free one of the drivers from the truck and I it was a huge diesel spill as well and I subsequently fell off the truck and broke my leg oh so once again what's going on here <laughs> <laughs> Last but building then that turned out into a huge blessing because I had another nine weeks off where I could be home with Cornelia uh. and I didn't have to work night shift while I recover from, from the break. So it was a good break? It was a good <laughs> <proper> break. <laughs> Where did you break it? Um, actually on the foot itself. Yep. So they first you put fell it, off the cab of the truck? Fell off the cab of the truck. Um, so the, the truck was lying on its side. The driver was trapped inside. We were sort of standing or lying on the truck. Yeah treating him and while the guys are busy working to free him out and with all the diesel on the road shoes got slippery and I got up to move to a different location and just slipped and fell off Mm. but um, yeah like it turned turned into a nine week of no night shift so which worked out well and then (laughs) in that stage we um, the Australia thing pop up and we thought well this is probably almost want to say where God's trying to push us to you know things is not working out here our bubble has bursted here you know in, in South yeah. Africa our plans is not going the way we want it and, um, yeah Australia uh, one of my good friends was I started the process to emigrate here and sort of put us in touch with the employers up here and here we are did you have the kids then though? no you have no, no we had no no kids it's just no you kids. two so when all that happened you started thinking you know we want to raise kids in the safest environment we can and yeah it became more and more unlikely that that location would be south africa yeah which is your home all you've ever known yeah and then they talk about going to australia or you see friends that are doing it yeah friends seen doing it but then for us you know nothing nothing that we did worked out over there you know yeah you, you, you take notice of all these direction changes in your life and 
And Australia came up, they, um, St. John Ambulance came to do a recruitment drive in South Africa and applied for it. It took a bit of, it took a while, uh, which uh, it turned out to be another blessing because I could finish my critical care phase before I came over. Yeah. Um, there was 12 months where I had to move to Pretoria to do the training there, but um, Unilia used to be a, a aerostess for Emirates, so she went back to Dubai, so um, yeah, it was much safer for her, she didn't have to stay home alone, and I could finish my studies. So for 12 months, like newly married, she went to Dubai and you stayed there? Yes. So that 12 months turned out into 24 months, because after I um, qualified or finished my training, stayed another 12 months in South Africa, while the recruitment process was ongoing coming here and um, yeah we eventually met up back here in in Australia you graduated there and yeah finished the training and then came over here I remember you saying that when you when you're um, getting a certificate or something it was like literally that day or something so the the critical care phase of our paramedic training was 12 months Mm. I sent the application in to St. John Ambulance, um, got an email back from them saying, yep, we've got it, which has sort of got a bit of a hold on recruitment at the moment. We'll be in touch when we're ready. And um, that was the end of it. Did my training for 12 months, never heard back from them. Um, and I'm thinking that, oh, well, if this is not the place to go, um, Vanilla at that stage was living and working in Dubai, which was also a, a big haven for South African paramedical staff. Mm. Uh, end of 2007, so I finished my training and we had a graduation ceremony, getting our badges and you know, qualifying as a critical care paramedic. Um, did the ceremony and I was standing in the back, everybody having a chat and my, my phone rang and it was um, the recruitment office in Perth saying, we started recruiting again, are you still interested? Like seven minutes after I got my, my badge. <laughs> the door opened. <laughs> How's that for timing? That's amazing, isn't it? And that was that was the best possible scenario, was it? Or was it just another scenario? Like, would Dubai have been good to be at? Oh, uh, that will, that Australia was the best possible scenario because we since became citizens here, you know, and this is this is home for us now. We, um, this is where we're going to raise our children, and and, and and this is where we'll stay. Uh, whereas in Dubai, you can never become a citizen there you'll always just have a five-year working visa which gets renewed every time and yeah, until right. your time's up yep and then you got to australia and you ended up in Kananara. yeah um everybody we all had to start in perth yep um just do a bit of induction start working in perth um i was in perth for like 12 months and did a eight-week relief period in Kananara. yeah just um annual leave cover for the guy that was up there and that was June, July, and, and we really loved it. It was pretty cool. It was in the middle of the tourist season. and About eight months later, that job um, became, or they advertised it as a permanent spot and subsequently applied for it. And yeah, we moved there end of August, which was still really nice. And then sort of November, we were like, whoa, what's going on here? Kalanara <laughs> <laughs> no. starts cooking. Nobody told us about this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the f- I think the first wet season was probably our worst one because we were totally un- unprepared for it. Yeah. Um, but then after that, you embrace it and it became the norm of life. <laughs> and what about the work? How did that vary? Because South Africa, from all that sort of stuff to Kimberley, obviously, we've got a lot of 
things that go down and it's one of the reasons why the treasurer of the Kimberley Spirit Foundation and involved in that and yeah and um, knowledge in that and obviously the medical side of things is the, obviously the work in Australia is is a breeze compared to the work in South Africa we don't have those violent crimes up here yeah um, or over here and which is really a good thing because you know in hindsight now you look back and living in that intense work environment every day is, is certainly not sustainable for a lifetime we, we very rarely see a paramedic work up till the age of retirement in south africa whereas in australia it's it's a common occurrence so i sort of in the, in the beginning it, it took a lot to get used to the um less intense work yeah you, you're always just running on adrenaline and, and geared up for the for the worst case scenario where yeah you know you've got other other um, scenarios in between got up to Kananara and um, it was yeah it was a bit of an eye opener for me yeah with the whole um, the socio-economic problems up there yeah and working working with that and a few years down the line we sort of put a plan together to see how we can make a, b- a bit of a difference here so mm. I think short term we made a difference with our little task force we put together I think that was in 2012 yeah but yeah it's quite complex problems which I don't I don't know the answer to all of them mm. a lot of alcohol and a lot of abuse and neglect yeah alcohol abuse neglect it's um, like I say it's complex problems stemming back from years and years ago which I don't there's not going to be a short term solution for that no but you know, if you Every little bit of difference you can make is is is, is a lasting difference. So that's what we that's what we did up there as a as a, as a group um, through our work, trying to make a little bit of difference every every single day. Yep. Just keep pressing forward, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Do you miss Kananara? I do. I do. Yeah. It's really a great place. But the job moved you to Karatha <laughs> and... Yeah, yeah, moved on. Um, but yeah, we're going to not as a, a special place in our hearts. Yep. And it's not that far away, really. No. You came back, Good two-day drive. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> as we do. Two days across the flat. You're all good. When was that? February was our last board meeting. That's when you were Yeah, February. No, that's amazing. It's a crazy story. And um, how God uses things for yeah. good. I've, I've sort of grown through that whole ex- not just that experience but every other experience that you know we have very little control in our lives of what's happening you know and that's sort of why we felt so lost after the incident because we had our whole lives planned ahead of us mm-hmm. everything we got the house got married got the dogs kids is coming next everything was planned the way we wanted it and yeah. then we had this huge curveball and sort of there was no plan b for us we and and that was our, our, our period of period of being lost yeah and, and and we've we've learned from that and and we certainly live a different lifestyle today yeah we know you know you, um, do the best you can every day but at the end of the day you, you really have very little control of, of where life takes you yeah so how important is your faith then in that Oh, my faith is probably the thing that carried me through the whole thing. Yeah, f- and for myself and for Anila and our recovery through that, um, the psychologist that intervened immediately after the event was instrumental to Anila's recovery. Yeah, 
Um, but in that whole period of being lost after that, you know, and then the period of lost moved into a period of gratefulness when we realized, hey, we actually, this was a big direction changer for us and mm. nothing happened to us, even though it was a really bad experience. But we came out of it really scot-free with a different view in life. Yeah. And, and, and that that's where our, you, you start getting grateful for that. It's like, wow, you know, these bad situations is was not that bad at the end of the day. Yeah. Unreal. Pretty wild, eh? <laughs> Certainly not an experience you'd wish on anyone, but it's pretty amazing to be able to turn it around and use it for good and now be able to help people and have a beautiful family here in Australia and be a part of making a difference, be a part of a change up here in the Kimberley with the foundation and be excited about that. Yeah, yeah, it's a good, it's a good um, like, ever since the Revolver walk, we started speaking about this, you know, it's just something that I really wanted to get involved in, and yeah. this is a good platform to do it. Yeah, lots of resources and lots of great people. Yeah, it's a big variety of people on the board and a variety of people that wants to get involved and wants to help, and, you know, I, I see great things happening with the way the foundation is going. Mm-hmm. And and that's the small. Look, we're not going to solve all the problems, but you're going to make a big difference with the kids and every single person that's going to come through the foundation. That's going to be helped. It will, it will be that will have a lasting effect on them. Mm, absolutely. Unreal, fella. Well, shall we get on to this day? Yeah. Get amongst it. Go jump in the water. See what's happening. Thanks very much for telling your yarn. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Cheers for tuning in to another episode. I trust you enjoyed it. To follow more of our journey, check us out on Instagram at Kimberly Spirit or the website KimberlySpirit.com. Stay stoked and God bless.